I've got a rejection letter uh, framed on my office wall, and I want to tell you tonight how I got it and why I kept it uh, for 25 years. So it was 1992, and I was living in Dallas. I just graduated with a liberal arts degree in theology, and I was working this pretty awful job uh, cleaning carpets, and I had another awful job cleaning windows, and I had a pretty good job playing guitar in a cover band that was making like tens of dollars. <laughs> so I wasn't really where I wanted to be in my life. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to try to maybe do something in medicine. But I was worried because I didn't think I would be what a lot of these post-grad programs was looking for. And I knew a lot of scientists and engineers and biologists, these really smart people that were trying to do the same thing and they were getting rejected. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to shotgun approach it. I'm going to apply to the nursing schools and the physical therapy school and the physician's assistant school and medical school and just see what sticks. And I'll just hedge my bets. Well, nothing stuck. <laughs> so over the course of two years, I got rejected outright from the nursing school, the physical therapy school, and six medical schools. So I kept my job working as a carpet cleaner. I kept taking these harder and harder science classes at the local community college, and I kept getting told no. So finally, in the spring of 1994, I got simultaneous interview offers at the University of Texas Dallas Physician Assistant Program and the University of Texas Houston Medical School. So I showed up at my very first face-to-face -face interview, just cautiously optimistic at the UT Dallas Physician Assistant Program, until they told the three of us applicants in the group that they had about 1,500 applications for 15 spots. And they followed that up with, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you want to be a physician's assistant. <laughs> so I had thought about that question. I was like, you know, I want to say that I play guitar in a rock and roll band, and I want to help people. <laughs> but I didn't get to go first. And so the guy that went first was about 30 years old, and he had these wire rim glasses and this super expensive watch and this really nice suit, and he was slick. And he introduced himself as Dr. Jones. And I was like, well, is this guy in the right place? When does, he's a doctor, but why does he want to be a doctor's assistant? And then he says, you know, from my paperwork that I graduated with my Ph.D. when I was 23, and... Um, yeah, I spent the last seven years developing these bionic prosthetics that have helped hundreds of amputees learn how to walk again. <laughs> and last year, my company sold the patents, and I'm pretty much set financially. I don't really need to work anymore, but I want to keep helping people. <laughs> and I was like, man. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Except for the PhD at 23 and helping hundreds of people walk again. And then the next guy spoke up, and he was this six foot three, just ridiculously good looking guy. He's tan and chiseled. He had this long blonde hair. He looked like he walked off a surfing magazine. And when he spoke, it was like this voice just wrapping you with a warm blanket, and you're by the fire and you're drinking hot chocolate. And he said, I spent the last four years in Africa building wells with the Peace Corps. <laughs> All these war-torn countries that have just been ravaged by violence and AIDS and disease. 
And though I didn't know anything about medicine, the villagers would bring me their little sick children. And, and he started to choke up and he said, you know, the first time I ever held a little sick baby, the first time I ever held a little sick baby, I knew I needed to learn how to help people. And I was like, shit, I am so screwed. This guy, this guy's amazing. Both of these guys are amazing people. I got the Dalai Lama of surfing and well-building for the orphans. And then I got the Bill Gates, techno Jesus helping people walk again. And now I got to stand up and say, I play guitar in a rock band and I'm your guy. When I left that interview, I had had a great awakening to how poorly this whole pursuit was going to turn out for me. <laughs> it was like an anti-road to Damascus moment a few days later when I, I got the official rejection letter and it was like the universe just shined down this blazing beacon of light and it said, no! And I was caught up in this whirlpool of despair and I was going to have to tell my wife and my family I failed and I was going to have to admit to myself that's, that's really what I was, a failure and all of this time and effort and money and energy was down the drain for nothing. And the cherry on top of all of this humiliation was I still had the formality of this even more competitive medical school interview to suffer through before I was officially out of options. So I showed up for that interview a couple weeks later and I was just dripping with dread. And my interviewer was this biochemist from Israel. She was flipping through my paperwork when I walked in the room and the first thing that I see behind her desk is she's got in Latin the inscription from Dante's Inferno that's found above the gates of hell. And I knew what it said even though it was in Latin because I had this useless liberal arts degree. And I've been, I've been forced to read that book, and I'm looking at that thing, and I'm like, oh, I should have listened to the universe and the light. And this lady, she got straight to the point, and she said, you know, you're not the type of applicant we usually see. And she took my file, and she put it back on this big stack of files. And she said, you know, why don't you want to be a physician? She barely even looked up. And it was this just perfect crystallizing moment for me just this bitter bookend and finale, and I can still taste it 25 years later, the bile and the disappointment being put on the spot again, and now knowing that the real answer was, I had no idea what it meant to be a physician. I didn't have the life experience to know what it meant to help people. And this whole thing had just been a moonshot for me because I was this poor kid from Arkansas without an academic pedigree, and right here and now was the time to admit that there was only the tiniest hopeful little part left inside of me that even felt like I should be in that room. And that part wanted to say that I don't and I can't have a good answer for you, you know, but just give me a chance. But the reality, I knew the reality, and the reality was about to say, let's just stamp this form no and stop wasting our time. So I knew at that moment there was really only one way for me to answer that question. And I looked her in the eye and I just took the longest breath in. 
And I said, the first time I ever held a little sick baby when I was in Africa building wells for the Peace Corps. I did not say that. I know there's a lot of people hoping that I said that. I did not say that. What I did say was a version of the other thing. You know, I can't have a good answer for you, but give me a chance. And I guess that was the right thing to say. Because four years later, when I graduated from that medical school, I took the other rejection letter. I took that other rejection letter that was this talisman of so much anxiety and doubt and failure, and I framed it right behind my diploma. And I put it up on the wall, and I see it every day. And I'm the only one that knows it's there, but I know the reason why it's there was because I had to learn how to fail before I learned how to succeed.